Hello and welcome back to the latest edition of the Trucking Driver podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined again by Paul O'Callaghan where we're going through the third of the special edition Trucking Driver magazines produced when the magazine made a return having been split back off from Truck Magazine in 1992. How are we doing Paul? Very good Dougie, thank you very much. Uh, beautiful day here, sun is shining in Ireland so a little bit of spring in the air and um, ready to talk about Volvo F16s and all the good stuff in this number three of our special edition. Have you been on any adventures abroad since we last spoke? Were you in Switzerland last week? Or was that the week It was indeed, yeah. I, yeah. Well, it was. It was both actually because I did uh, three trips there. So I got back from there last home home over a week now. So um, just had a few bits and pieces. Actually, on, I did a little course, on another course, course on Tuesday. It's the course for, uh, I don't know exactly what it's called, but it's basically it's a certificate for, for transporting livestock. So anybody, apart from people who are transporting livestock, very close to home needs this. There's a separate one for national and a separate one for international, which it used to last 10 years. Now it only lasts for three years. So pretty comprehensive course, all crammed into one day. But that's just another little one I have. I used oh, to do good. a fair bit of international, yeah, driving with livestock. Mm-hmm. So we might do a few little trips again just for, um, but actually there's so much regulation attached to it now as the course was was going on throughout the day, I was getting less, less and less interested, but um, I would see it's just a handy one to have there as well. Then. Uh, you've um, you did an awful lot of livestock haulage in Australia, which was detailed in Trucking Driver, with the, with the road trains. But regards moving livestock now internationally out of Ireland, would it traditionally have been land bridged through the UK? No. Is there an implication uh, the, now if it's going to go through Ross Lair? Are the are the animals going to be on a boat for a long time? Then does that make a difference? Well, that has been the always been the traditional route, Dougie, has been um, directly from Ireland, Rosslare to Cherbourg, and a lot of those trucks, uh, or sorry, a lot of those ferries are passed to take up to, in around roughly about 18 trucks. Now, the land bridge throughout the UK uh, has only been used very sparingly, and one of the reasons is the, on, the only point that you can cross with livestock across the Irish Sea is up in, um, from Larne, across the Stranraer. So if you load down in the south of Ireland, for example, County Cork, you've oh, got to yeah. drive all the way up there ah, on County Antrim and then cross over and you're coming all the way down. So there was a period whereby the, mm. because when you're booking a ferry space on the big ferry, let's say the long ferry, you actually need, you're paying for two two bookings, two truck spacings because you need to leave a gap uh, between the trucks to allow for, for airflow. So that was that was quite expensive and there was a period there oh, I where- I didn't know um, that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it gets a lot of bad, publicity obviously and and uh but when you see it actually um taking place like there is a lot of so they're paying they're paying a lot for the for the you know the animals have, have plenty of air and the ships need to have all the air circulated and that kind of thing so um that's that's always been the traditional route and i think there's an awful lot of like i remember i did i spent about maybe two and a half three years transporting livestock internationally from from ireland and we did a few loads um i picked up uh, loads in scotland and down in devon and we went from at Ramsgate across the Calais, tiny little port there, but then you know, we had uh, your obvious problems there with with animal rights, and it's just not something really that you'd be aspiring to do very often. So um, yeah, it's it's a very very tightly regulated industry, and, and getting sort of more tightly regulated all the mm. time. But um, a lot of like coming soon now, there'll be we'll have the export of of calves, and um, it's really the only thing that is. Uh, putting any sort of value on calves because is the live export. If there was no live export, the value of the calves would actually be worth basically nothing. And, and what happens then is, uh, you know, calves are born, they're worth nothing. And, uh, you know, you can under- figure out for yourself what happens to them after that, like they were more or less just being shot. And so it's it's um, it's a very important part of, of the right. industry here, the dairy, the dairy industry. So that's just one. And then you have bigger cattle weanlings and that kind of thing, which go a bit later in the year so. It's a, it's a very, very vital part of the economy and um, anybody that that's involved in doing it uh, has animal welfare at the, at heart as well. So, Absolutely. No, that, was some, that wasn't mm. something that, I'd, that I knew about as to how um, the livestock could be exported from Ireland. I, didn't, I honestly didn't know whether or not it would have previously been going through the UK, but you certainly wouldn't want to be taking stuff over to Cairn Ryan and then having to run up that bloody road. <laughs> Up the A seventy five or down it, you know that's not the yeah, end road for yeah, doing yeah. for doing no, that. So there we go. 
I've learned something so, in between the first five minutes of the podcast. Which is there you good. go. And just <laughs> yeah, you learn something new every day. And just just to finish out when you were saying it's um so it's it's all done within the uh, the, the time the time frame that animals are allowed to travel for. So once once you disembark in the port of Cherbourg straight away, then you have to go. There's a layerage there, and you have to go. So calves are offloaded. They're fed individually. Um, and it's the same with bigger cattle as well. You have to go straight to the layerage, and there's GPS mm-hmm. mon- monitoring on the trailers as well. So it's it's all very very tightly regulated and done professionally. So that's my little uh, speak for for no, export doggy. No, that, that's really good. I mean, it really, totally wouldn't work. Can you imagine getting stuck in customs for three days? It makes me wonder <laughs> what what um, you know, love machine stroke pig pen did in convoy because he had like a trailer full of pigs, and he just decides to go and like. You know, join the convoy and go and like drive everywhere and I've often kind of thought is he stopping to feed his poor piggies because he goes through all that dust in the desert and everything and he goes crashing into yeah. police stations and all that and I, I like to think that he just let them out to roam free in the desert but then pigs probably don't really survive too well in the desert either no. Interestingly with, uh, with, with the transport of pigs pigs um, can be rested on the trailer because they're not um, pigs are not as as tightly tightly loaded and if you if you if you for example during winter time if you look in and see pigs inside in the pen they'll all be piled up in one corner you know to keep the keep the heat in so the most important thing with pigs is that um they get water pretty regularly and you feed them but they can pigs can go on some pretty long journeys and uh, with no problem at all and, and stay on the trailer and once once you water them and feed them you won't have any any problems like we brought pigs to uh Russia that was about uh about 14 15 years ago so that was that was quite a long journey and um what you're do- what basically what you're doing is you're you're improving the quality of the pig herds in these um far away countries you know obviously people are getting better nutrition better quality livestock then so it's a very very important part of uh part of the of the economy and Russia a trip to Russia with from Russia with pork there you go. That'd be a good title for yeah. that if I did that story. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Too rushy with pork, yeah. So. so this magazine, this one, this special edition, number three in the series, with the Volvo yeah, F16 on the cover. It's a blue cover. This is the third in the series. It's called Bosses and How to Find a Good One. And the main cover truck is a Volvo F16 of Maguire's from Gloucester. This would have been quite a... Quite an iconic truck at the time because there weren't too many of these. Do you remember this issue from back in the day? I do indeed, and again, I'm missing the the center spread because I had that poster on the wall, and that poster, yeah, was um was one which uh, I definitely spent far too long staring at. But uh, here we go. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you I've have got it front here. Here in this it's, issue, it's, the center it's spread. Yeah, the the center spread is pretty similar. Is it is it the same shot as the one from the from the front cover but again not I don't know who quite, took, was not it? quite there's more of an angle okay. there's more of an angle who, who of, the, the of the centre spread Paul Dubois took again. the photograph and we've got magic beautiful centre magic. spread of it five axle outfit Volvo F16 mm. um, with a bulk tipper trailer and you can see it's got like is it what is it is that like a TV aerial on the roof or like an aircon pod see the little, the little flying saucer thing yeah. on the roof that's it can't, right. be, it can't be for aircon, that must antenna. be for TV. No, mm-hmm. TV antenna, it looks good anyway. But um, just a, a little bit about that. So this was a Volvo F16 Ambassador. And uh, <clears throat> the Ambassador, a lot of people think that there was only one Ambassador, which was a UK special. It was actually, I think the dealers did it, or Volvo UK. But there was, in, in fact, there was two Ambassadors. So people who know about it, they know, basically the truck came, when Maguire's got it first, that truck was painted black and they had their name on it. And it had uh, basically the ambassador extras where it had that big front bumper, which I always thought was, um, you'd often see it on different trucks, maybe like Scania 143s, but I've actually saw one lately and it had Volvo stamped on the inside of it. So I presume maybe someone made it on behalf Mm -hmm. of Volvo, but basically there was the the front bumper, the stacks, which were made by a Swedish company. It came with a set of um, tuna verkin wheels, which a lot of people will know they were they had a kind of a square hole in them so they were they weren't actually an alloy wheel they were a cast wheel they were quite heavy and um, a lot of buses had them as well and what else i'm pretty sure there was a leatherette engine hump cover as well but how you can identify the two different there was two black f16 ambassadors and mcguire's one up on the side panel where the sleeper is 
when it was new had one star on it whereas the other one had uh, three stars so it's quite interesting when you're looking back it took me a lot of uh, <laughs> research and, and to find that but the other one was uh, G999 WMG and that truck was new to uh, Unitruck which I'm pretty sure are down around Essex I'm, I'm sure you know them they're, they're still on the go white Volvos with mm. red and Unitruck also bought the Volvo F16 Monte Carlo so the Monte Carlo was slightly different it, in, in the Volvo demo stripes were done in gold and it had um, I don't know it's sure but the basically this F16 went to a company in Scotland after Maguire's I'm not sure if there was anyone else in between but they were a company called LL and MN Finney I don't know if you're familiar with them and this truck no. has since ended up no it has since ended up in Ireland it's, it's with a collector up in the north of Ireland he's got four F16s so it's outside it's oh, somewhere it's, it's in a quarry it's yeah it's not in still it's, look it's it's still around yeah i don't know what the chances of it being restored or anything and um the, the other f16 that one that unitruck had g999 wmg that one is also in ireland it's actually pretty close to where where i live it's over in county Kildare, and i was actually half owner of that truck we bought that truck in 2009 with a view to restoring it and uh i went to house with a friend of mine and um just I, w I went to Australia and things happened along the way and, and he bought me out so it's uh, it's it's safely undercover there um, a lot of people will know the truck I'm talking of uh, it's, we bought it from a tractor dealer down in Devon who else ha after um, after uni truck do you remember Ashford I think it was Ashford trailer hire had it they were white or Ashford trailers they were white and blue that Magnums and that they had it yeah so there's a little bit of a um, little bit of F16 so the the two ambassadors in Ireland and the Monte Carlo. Nobody knows where the Monte Carlo ended up. Mm. That was quite a famous truck as well. It was in an it was in an advertisement back in back in that era for Shell. There was a guy with a beard standing beside it. A really nice nicely taken photograph. And nobody knows what happened note. to the Monte Carlo. I will I will ask John yeah. Comer uh, and a couple of the guys at Volvo, maybe in the Steel Boys, the Monte Carlo F sixteen. Yeah. It had, See if we um, can find something out, because I've had people getting... Ever since we mentioned the Phillips truck, the 143 Centurion on the podcast, I've had quite a few people get in touch about that to say that it is being restored at the moment. And also, uh, Mr Phillips' new truck is on the inside cover of the latest trucking driver on the Kelsa advert as well. So it's nice to be getting some feedback and know that people are actually listening to what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And actually, just on that as well, I've been in touch with the... Uh, with the guy who's restoring the Royal Centurion, Brilliant. he's also in Ireland. Up, he's in the up in the northern half of the country. So there's actually a, quite a impressive photo uh, going around on social media the last few days, and it's of the cab which has been resprayed with the murals, and it's up on a on a curtain side trailer. And just the way it, the way it's lit, it actually looks like it's a kind of a press photo, and there's people standing around. And um, so he he's quite keen for an article and and the feature. So I think it'd be quite good if we could. Um, get that one and also maybe if John Phillips if you get in touch with him and uh, mm -hmm. he might have something to add about the truck as well so a lot, a lot of people are very interested in as you said Dougie that's handy that yeah no get in touch we'll give Kelso a shout that'll be an easy one things to do yeah aye that's, that's good so I mean so, as always with these editors choices in the magazine the Maguire's truck it only gets a page on number three and then it goes on, and then obviously it gets a poster in the middle spread, but it doesn't get a particularly big feature. All it says extra about the truck is it's got a four grand Sony stereo, so powerful it needs its own separate alternator or the truck won't start. wonder how that would work. You heard of that, like fitting an extra alternator to a truck? No, I, I remember just reading a, it at, just at a the time. Just a bigger alternator. Yeah, but back then having alloy wheels on a trailer was a rarity. Like you'd see it quite a bit now, but back then it was... Um, and uh, like I said, he actually replaced. So he's he's added those alloy wheels to the, to the tractor unit himself. They were um, so they were a short they were a short uh, wheelbase those F16s because the other one I was talking about the other ambassador was actually lengthened at one stage just to accommodate uh, tilt trailers. But obviously with this one pulling the tipping trailers, the short chassis would have been no bother. Uh, I presume she was on steel as well, F Reg. Quite probably. And just in relation to Maguire's of Cheltenham. Everybody will know about Maguire's. They had a really, really impressive fleet of trucks. They had uh, they had everything, like from the Volvo's, Scania's. They had a really nice 3600 
uh, Space Cab DAF. They even had an SK Mercedes Benz, which I discovered lately. And uh, mm -hmm. they just looked them up and they went into voluntary liquidation in 2004. And Steve McGuire, who was one of the brothers, passed away in November of 2012. And he used to run premium collectible models, which is now run by his son, Jack. Mm -hmm. they're, uh, they're more, they're WSI 150 scale specialists, but uh, definitely a really, really iconic fleet back then. They had a Scania T-Cab as well. Do you remember that? They had a really nice T124-400. No, I don't. No, and they had uh, some they had DAFs as well. I think the last new truck they bought, they bought a couple of version 2 Volvo XLs. They were the last new trucks they had, so that was obviously around, you know, 03, 04. Just, just a little bit about... Uh, a bit about Maguire's Dougie. Brilliant. And of course, moving on through the magazine, there's a little letter there where um, truck and driver has complained to the Woolwich Building Society about an advert on telly uh, holding truck drivers in a poor light, which I don't remember that advert at all. It's got a guy harassing a woman and they say it's like a, a bad stereotype <laughs> of a driver. So the Woolwich have written back and said he's not a driver, he's a milkman. They didn't mean to offend anyone. There's a bit below it, but it's the trucking drivers going monthly from starting November the 5th, 1992. November 92. I was in second year at high school and I was very much excited round about that time because I was getting a Mega Drive for Christmas. Hence the reason I don't remember a lot of this stuff. <laughs> well, I remember it all like it was yesterday. <laughs> Uh, the Truck and Track Show, it's got, we've got details of a show combined with some truck racing, which is basically what Convoy in the Park is these days. And the celebrity man was there was Officer Crabtree from Aloha Low, who, um, can't do the, um, who can't do the French accent properly. Aloha Low must have been getting on about 1992. But he was a celebrity that came yeah. along. Unfortunately, it wasn't Vicky Michelle. That would have been a bit more exciting. It would have been a vet. Mm. But it looks alright, quite a few pictures. There's a centurion there, there's a picture of it there. John Phillips Royal Centurion. That's right, yeah. Peter Nichols Simply Red, which is another centurion. And we've got um, a, a blue and white Magnum, a Volvo FL10 8 before Tipper. That's a smart looking thing. Owner driver Steve Thomas won the top diesel line prize. That's right, yeah. That's one, bit, one smart bit of Can I just tell you? The blue and white magnum there i have a little story to tell about that so that was mm -hmm. it was a center spread i had a center uh, four page poster from of the, of that truck he pulled for that was robin borthwick he pulled for curries of dumfries mm -hmm. but in i'm trying to think exactly the year it might have been about this 93 or maybe 94 i was in um i was down in milton Keynes. i used to um i was big into cycling then i used to race and uh, i was in Newport Pagnell Services at the magazine section where you know where else would it be and I looked around <laughs> I looked around and there was a guy standing there and I said uh, are you Robin Borthwick by any chance and he kind of looked at me and says yeah I am and I said oh yeah I know you from the truck magazine and uh, so he brought me out and his, his <laughs> magnum was out there and I always remember I swear yeah I was uh, whatever like probably 15 maybe something like that 15, 14 15 years old and the thing that I always remember was, he said, as I climbed up into it, I'd never even been in a Magnum. You know, they were pretty new at that stage. And he had... Uh, I've still never been in the grab rails and the Magnum. Yeah, well, yeah. it's... Yeah, it's you, yeah, you haven't <laughs> lived, Dougie, unless you've been in a Magnum. But um, I climbed so up, bad. and so the grab rails... The yeah, exactly. The, uh, the, the two grab rails that you hang on to um, going up are... From the factory, they're, they're a, just a kind of a black finish. But he had chrome ones on it, and he said... Uh, Lily got me those for my birthday. I remember. I always remember them. So I set up into it, and I had a had a you know, sheep sheepskin seat cover, and um, so it was very very early. Magnum was a three eighty five brake horsepower one, but like I, I was, um, you know, that was <laughs> I was just so excited to meet like a truck that I, I had uh, as as a poster on my wall. But uh, yeah, he was a really nice guy. I don't know um, anything about him. He his uh, he had two sons who had Renault maybe turbo liners or turbo leaders it's something like that and they were also mm -hmm. in blue and white but uh yeah big blue and beautiful she that was another yeah well, uh, truck I mean, of the era and the magazine at the time that's 1992 so the magnum only came out 
1990. In fact, yeah. we've got Renault's own magnum in the current issue of the magazine, which is just going on sale now. We've got Renault have restored like a 1990 magnum, and it's got the really weird walnut dash with a separate speedo and tachometer, uh, tachograph on it Lovely. as well. So, yeah, but, uh, you, what year is the that size one? of that. Um, it's uh, it's like a 1990-1991 model. Very the first one that you got. It's oh, a three. Eight. They've stuck a oh, Mac. Ba- Renault have stuck a Mac badge on the front, which is a bit cheeky because it doesn't actually have a Mac engine. Mm, it's just a normal Renault no, engine. No, that was a, that was that was just about okay if if you had the, the Mac engine to do that. But actually, another guy who did that as well and who also only it's had right three. If you've got the engine, engine, I think. Uh, was yeah. Do you remember Ralph Ralph Davies? He had a couple of Magnums mm-hmm. as well, three three Leaf fives with the Mac badges. Um, and also, I'm just looking at the picture you're showing me. It's a cracking looking truck, but the visor, no. Or the, the early ones never had a visor, so you'd have to pass on the visor. Mark, but yeah, Mark look, Renault and and do, away, do away with the Mac badge as well. I said that Renault yeah. says, people will notice that, but you know, just a bit of a marketing exercise on, yeah. the, on, the, on their part. So. I'd love one, yeah, I'd love a Magnum. I will get a shot on at some point. Uh, so I've got, uh, so I've got a few reports on the truck and track show, and then you get your truck stuff, which is a couple of pages of letters about stop overnight charges. I'm writing your magazine to start a campaign to stop all overnight parking charges and truck stops. And as you all know, truck and driver uh, were greatly successful with that, and nobody has to pay to park in a truck stop anywhere. Brilliant. <laughs> Lovely. I parked um, a ser- the, the guy says here I, I parked in a service area reluctantly and flatly refused to pay the five pound overnight charge <laughs> I just noticed a, a letter here as well support free centurion that's just the one that jumped out with me I'm very I'm very pleased with the article in TND2 featuring my truck the centre spread looked great but one small point of the write up caused me concern I've only been receiving moral support from Scania not financial backing it would be appreciated if you could clarify this point. John M. Phillips. I didn't notice shit. that at the time. Mm. Eh? No. I, didn't, I didn't notice in the story that yeah, yeah. it implied that. There's another one above it there, <laughs> harassment <laughs> of the Irish. <laughs> I, saw it, I saw that. Do you want to read that one? Or, uh, will I, will I Liam that? Robinson from Dublin. Well, he's from the Republic. Uh, the British police harass mm. Irish drivers. This is not imagination. It can be borne out by English international drivers. I lived and drove in England for 15 years without more than the usual road checks. Since returning home and driving for an Irish company, I have been pulled out a line of traffic on more than one occasion and continually pulled onto the hard shoulders for routine checks, which is illegal. This is not Paddy feeling sorry for himself, it's a fact. I don't object to the law, but when you're continually stopped and see police waiting for an Irish vehicle, it gets too much. If you want proof, go to Holyhead on a Friday night and talk to the returning Irish drivers who've run the gauntlet from Conway Port. That's interesting to note it back then. There was there was certainly a time when um, speed limiters had come in, which is before this. Uh, for many years after, Irish trucks would go flying past you on the motorway. You know, mm. they would be absolutely tanking well, it along. But that seems to that's like kind of gone now. But that, I remember that. Yeah, but I don't. Back then, of course, yeah. So look, you know, I mean, the, the harassment. Well, you know, arguably it was pretty justified. Probably a lot of it. You know, there was a guys probably didn't do themselves much favors. Being the, being the, have to be the, be the heroes. But now it's um, it's it's look. Everyone's kind of running the same now. It's all DG cards, speed limiters, and that. So I don't, I don't think. I think that's definitely, definitely thing of the past. And I'm sure, I'm sure that whoever they are, the DVSA, and they know that pretty much any of the big companies are all running running 100 percent so they don't really seem to give well they moved on the, the dvsa they got more interested in eastern european trucks um that was a, that was their um that was the thing that they moved on to in, in more recent years yeah. they, they would tend to focus on them because uh, there's much yeah, less of, there's much less of them on the road now in the uk because i was out last week and i i counted like well under 10 foreign trucks that i saw on the road which is a complete change wow. from how it would be normally. That might be some of the reason why I've noticed in, uh, especially in France lately, like the parking parking areas, service areas are absolutely chock a block. Like you can, there was a time when you could just park anywhere you wanted, really, or at night, you know, especially at weekends now. The places are just, you know, Germany, France, just chock a block. Very, very difficult to get parking now. So we're mo- moving on, what do we have next? 
you've got a Shaba dealing with trucking types, which focuses mainly on... Well, he's talking about the foreign driver, and with this being 1992, it would have been a very different foreign driver you would have had in the UK. So he's having a little look at the uh, the Dutch drivers with their floppy moustaches and their clogs. Yeah, who else have we got? The hard shoulder, ideal for cooking on, Turkish edition. Turkish edition. If there is a Z in your registration number, it is an offence to let anybody overtake. That's the Irish edition. Oh, Outside lane of the a motorway reserved for French HGV traffic. So I think the French must have occupied the outside lanes of the motorway around about this time. Um, yeah. But despite our basic differences, our, our basic experiences are the same. We are an international brotherhood. So wherever drivers meet on the road, at journey's end, and despite the language barrier, you'll always find someone with whom to swap tales with for an hour or two, which is something you would know about very well. You've been a windswept and interesting international driver. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. Well, you're always you're always trying to have a bit of a bit of a chat with um guys. You know, anyone that has a that's, that's equally interested and has a bit of a smile on their face, and uh, you'll have a have a bit of a yarn with them. And mm-hmm. It's kind of changed a little bit, but um, yeah, still still alive, uh, sort of. You get you got a couple on the next couple of pages. You can win the nineteen ninety three Collins Road Atlas of Britain, which isn't even a truck atlas. It's just a normal road atlas. Maybe they didn't do they they did truck atlases back then. Maybe they didn't. And there's a little story there as well. After nineteen ninety three, you can work anywhere in the EC, the European Community, without a work permit. So you can go and work in Holland if you want, which is all just changed again back now. Um, I said it would be no problem to employ British drivers, but it's perhaps a problem when they want to go home for the weekend. The best thing would be if they started living in Holland. We can't have them living permanently in the cab. Um, I would prefer to let them do long-distance work. So that's a Dutch company taking an inquiry about employing British drivers, which, of course, completely all changed anyway because Dutch companies all took on Eastern European labour. But back then, That's at that right. time, sort of start of 1993, it could be an opportunity for you in the UK to go and drive for uh, a British company. And latterly, at the end of this article, a, a Dutch operator said, we have had bad experiences with British drivers. We worked with them for two years and it was a disaster. They are not used to continental discipline. When they worked here, we registered them as self-employed, so they were not in our wage lists what was legal. Them being cheaper was in no relation to their achievements. Hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, then we got a couple of pages on legal brief, which is kind of very much of its time. And then we get on to a beautiful double page spread of Hargrave International and their Leyland Daft 95350 on a G Reg. Six axle outfit, fridge work. Dave Young chills out with a top temperature controlled trucker. Uh, so we're going out on the road with Mick Brown, who's 49 from Boston, Lincolnshire. Um, served five years, basic pay 130 quid a week, earnings per year around 15 grand. And he's driving, um, uh, he's Leyland Daff on fridge work. Starts around 11am, doesn't finish till re- near midnight. Sounds like my sort of start time. don't think that company are trading anymore either, Hargrave International, but they had some, uh, had some very nice trucks actually. Just was had a little look up online on them and they had um, actually had a really mm-hmm. nice Volvo F6, F16 tag axle as well. There was a picture of it coming out of Dover, so they were obviously true to their international uh, heritage. You see them as well here, they had a really nice... Uh, Space cab is either a 3600 or a 3300 and mid lift mm-hmm. cracking looking truck. It's for some reason it's got a Scottish flag mm-hmm. on the side of it. So, Hargrave International, yeah, I definitely remember that. Um, oh, yeah. They've got an Iveco Eurostar Alto cab as well. See, they had one of those mid lift big diesel tanks. So, what am I yeah. looking? Is that on this page? Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm just looking. <laughs> I'm just looking at, p- at pictures of them that, that I, I just googled them, and I'm sorry, I'm looking at those on the uh, on the net. Sorry, I should have said that. But um, just in this article, they've just got that uh, basic. Well, there's just that DAF. There's just that '95. That's the main feature truck. And is that you see on page 
20. That looks like one of the older dafts, like a 3200 or a... Am I uh, correct well, in saying that? It, it mm, will be, yeah, because it, it says in the text that he's driving his regular daft, which is a replacement for his much-respected 2800, which I don't think he'd ah. taken... I don't think he'd have taken off him all that long, but I think the 350 okay. was... Was that the entry-level engine for the for that model of truck? I think they, they cracked the power no. up on them a fair bit, a fair bit I, later I'm pretty on. sure there was there, was there... Was there... I think you could get a 330 as well mm. and possibly a 310, but I could be wrong about that. But no, she she wouldn't have been the, um, I think I think four, was 400 the, the highest of them originally? And then potentially they went to 430 after that, but um, I think so, really I smart of a truck. Yeah. I think it looks like a Grey and Adams trailer. Of, it, is, it says it's a Grey and Adams 26 pallet trailer on it as well. Yeah. With a digi digital What's Thermo King motor on it. So I mean that trailer and that setup on six axles is very that's really modern you know that's very close mm. to what um what you would still be running pull, with today um pull a few, and it's except pull a few it's great. got a printout the recorder prints out a record of load space temperature during the journey so it's got a roll of receipt paper in it the ramco truck master so you can go and print out and get um, details from the th the thermo king mm. fridge and it tells you all your temperatures just in case you've decided to go and switch it off for nine hours <laughs> to go to sleep. Yeah. And, of, and of course, that's all done um, digitally now. So they yeah, can, yeah. They, they can, yeah. And even, you know, they, I was somewhere down in down in Italy, I was pulling the fridge trailer and I got a call from the office to, to wonder why why was the fridge still running, even though um, I should have had it off so they can monitor all that. A lot of it's to do with this you know, high value pharma loads and they can... Uh, Keep constant monitoring on, on on fridges, and even I did a f did a few fridge loads where it was pharma, and you couldn't even leave it on stop start. It had to be on continuous all the time. So the result there was that we couldn't even use the the channel tunnel because when you get onto the channel tunnel, you have to switch switch your fridge off for the for the duration. So that was obviously sending alarms and, and emails to the to whoever the carrier was. So we used to have to get the the ferry across. Just mm -hmm. a little interesting note on, on fridge work, yeah. And actually, Gray and Adams pulled a few of those in my time. Really, really nice trailer to pull. Just probably a little bit heavier than the than the other ones that you get. And yes. um, always, always like the nice Gray and Adams. I was in it, Gray and Adams, um, last week. I picked up one of their, their trailers from Fraserborough and dropped it off in Doncaster, which is full of fridge panels, uh, which is one of those extended trailers with a steering axle in the back of it. So, yeah, they're really nice friendly yeah. people, Gray and Adams. I got... That'll be the opening picture on my spread for the Volvo FM will be um, the, the truck connected up to the Grain Adams trailer. Yeah, I saw that trailer. Quite impressive, actually. How long is it and how did you find uh, reversing that trailer? I tried to reverse it back in the yard and when I eventually went on to full lock, it dug into the mud because the, the, the rear axle went on to full lock. So I had to go forward to straighten it up again to take a couple of shunts to get it out. But that's not something you would normally be doing it. You wouldn't be trying to do like a tight reverse in a muddy yard with one of those trailers. If you're just going on a normal loading dock where you're going out and then just mm. reversing it off your own side, they're fine. They, they'll, they'll, track you, okay. they'll track you pretty well. Um, and if it does get a bit over, then just shunt it and straighten the wheels up a bit more, they're fine. Um, but they've, okay. just been, they've just been approved for use after an extended trial. I've driven them at Pollocks as mm. well. Um, yeah, and there were people saying there's a concern because of the swing at the end of it, but I didn't notice it behaving any different to a normal trailer. And it's not the kind of trailer you're going to send somebody out multi dropping in with either. It's designed to go full load to an RDC. Yeah. You know, that's what the, um, that's what they're designed for, like collections and deliveries, like for big capacity. It's not you're not going to do groupage, picking up bits and pieces with it. I wouldn't have thought so. Yeah, and what about the the the, the coating with them and the turning circle and that kind of thing are they same cutting much different it cuts in just the same you don't same you don't need any more space if you're turning left out a set of traffic lights or right it goes round it exactly the same because of the steering axle oh, right. on the back of it okay yeah yeah I didn't noticed any sort of different problems with them at all but some of the safety groups were like saying somebody had asked me on Twitter what was it like with that extra <laughs> swing out the back and I'm like well I didn't notice but I wasn't running, I had a normal cut cider which I ran into the middle of Bradford City Centre doing deliveries and that was a just oh, a, yeah. a general pain because I was in uh, home of the worst drivers in Britain, Bradford. 
that was that was difficult as enough as, as okay. it was. But I don't think it would have been any more difficult if it had that extended decker on. It's getting longer all the time, and we've got a couple of uh, B doubles. You have around you know, here in Ireland, some going from Dublin. You had them before we yeah, did. Yeah, Dublin. Yeah, and uh, where else? I was even. I was like lately the past few months. I was in down in somewhere down down near Munich in Germany, and the Dutch guy passed me, and he'd got a he had a tw- like proper twenty five meter rigid drag. Mm-hmm. Just a rigid with a, a normal Arctic trailer behind, and I, I know that a lot of Dutch men running up to Sweden when they were trans in Germany before they weren't allowed to go up as a full length combination. They had to, you know, break up, and mm-hmm. now they've they've got permits that they can run up there. So even in Spain, I saw B double. So things are getting um, getting bigger and bigger. Change. And well, they're going to try. I think it. it's no no harm. They're going well, mm. to try it in the UK. The thing that you've got to mind, they love to change things slightly. I think because. UK tractor units aren't going to be able to plate, be plated to 60 tonnes, so you're going to have to start again with them. And it probably wouldn't be a tractor unit, it would be a rigid with a turntable on it with an Arctic trailer. So it would be double shifted, which means... Perfect. Your, your guys on day shift who have previously had Scania P320s and things like that to go and deliver pallets with are going to end up with V8 FH16s because it will be going out at night to go and haul <laughs> that with an Arctic trailer on the back of it, potentially grossing 60 tonnes. So the day shift guy is going to end up with yeah. 600 horsepower plus. <laughs> oh, a nice bit of horsepower is always nice. But to be honest, you don't actually need a need a huge amount of, of power, especially when you're not on not on big hills. Actually, I saw a couple of Dutchmen when I was um, down, in, uh, down in Switzerland, and they had S410s. Ah, it's a strange, so, strange thing that S four tens. I just for running yeah, flowers but, and things, and, but, and you're not in hills. No, they'll work fine. Yeah, no, 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 no. They'll always buy the appropriate power. Well, not always, but the Dutchmen, like it's pretty flat country, so they don't necessarily need a huge amount of power. Hence, yeah, plenty flat country. Hence, so the reason Daff have Daff invented eco mode. That was invented in uh, bloody Holland. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm actually going to head off now pretty soon, and I'm going to jump. I'll be jumping into a daft this evening. It's a long time. The last time I drove a daft was 2003, and um, that was that's a very long time. XF 480. Mm, so I've I've had very very virtually no experience with um, with daft. So I'm getting into a 17 reg super space 4 by 2 and it's a 460, which I've been told, actually by the guy who owns, he said, "Now don't expect anything magical. They're pretty sluggish, so I'm sure you know a bit more You'll about be very the, that older version of the tracks on box." That, uh, you, it does. It won't have the tracks in box. It's a four <laughs> It's an AS Tronic, and you're going to be very familiar with hitting that eco oh. button to switch it off, and inter- and get involved with the I gears. Ricky's had it all switched off, but um you'll probably you might find that you want to switch a Fair couple much. of other things off as well i'll just i'll just leave it for you all to find out it'll be a treat for you i'll find i'll <laughs> find yeah exactly i'll find out and I'm, I'm going in with an open mind anyway so it's um I'm, i'll be running with a couple of guys who've got scania five six the best row, way um, we're all going to the same place and same place in Italy, so they they reckon it's time I was brought back down to earth yeah. a little bit after driving seven thirties and stuff like that lately. So we'll see how we get on. Exactly. <laughs> well, we move on from the next. Move I mean, on the from, next. It's an article about looking for a good boss, which I think's dated a lot now. I think it's not relevant today, but it's talking about putting in applications and talking about agencies and. And things like that, and I would say things have changed quite a lot since those days. From like writing and printing out a letter and a CV and handing it into somewhere. I don't know how often that goes on these days. I'm sure a lot of guys pick up work just through word of mouth uh, with the way things exactly. are. Exactly, that's, Moving that's on how I always that, work anyway. I've got the B train trucking. George Bennett rides a 70-ton Western Star ore truck across the Yukon to Alaska. And um, I've been in a truck similar to that in Canada, a Western Star, a very similar shape in 2013, where we were pulling B-doubles um, mm. on long distance when I had my trip over there. So this is quite a good long distance diary. It's funny looking little trailers of things got on it. It sees like four, yeah. four parts. You actually, you've, you've been somewhere that I haven't been, so you've been to Canada. Hey, that's about the only bloody place. <laughs> <laughs> the empty Western Star Super B-train yeah, comes a bike pass. One of Yat's driver trainers below checking the pot lots and t- yeah, it's good. The, the truck's a yellow day a day cab Western Star, 
and it's got these four yeah. cylindrical pots on it which um, weigh 72 and a half tons in total so there's a lot of weight in them and one of the drivers has got a picture with his Teamsters Union hat on it mm. and it tells him about the running of these on the southern run we get 52 cents a mile and 5 cents a mile tax free because everything's run by mileage that was it when your wheels weren't turning you weren't earning and that was the thing it was um, that's the way it was over there I'm not sure how much it still is it was when I was in 2013 everybody was like paid by the mile and you could drive for a lot longer um, but they're on the Alaska highway in the truck and you can end up a blizzard and 40 below and everything I'm surprised that truck doesn't have a sleeper on it um, the 120, 112 mile dirt road to the mine I take it he must just go in back there every day on that road that's all yeah Single stack as well, which is very poor looking. Aye, single stacks kind of went out, went out in recent well, times. Well, especially on, a, on, a, on, an, on an American truck like that, yeah. Same, there's an auto we'll car there, the... it's the same. <laughs> yeah. We've got a centre spread, which you don't Renum. have. Trucker's test is the Renault Magnum, which has got TBV remote gear shift system in it. So this is the brand new Magnum, which would have caused quite a stir when they took it into the BP truck stop in Rugby and gave it, gave it out to the drivers for a shot of it. It's a K-Reg, so it's brand spanking new. And this is going to be... I mean, it depends what you've got. The first guy they're talking to there has got a Mercedes with the EPS gear shift in it. So this is... The Magnum's going to be totally different to anything else that these guys mm. have ever seen, but there would have been a lot of guys driving ERFs with crash boxes in them at the time, where this thing is going to be a different world. Yeah, they're all driving pretty old trucks here. Like there's two of them are in um, Iveco two. What is it? Iveco two twenty thirty, and then Iveco two twenty thirty six. There's a guy in a thirty six hundred space cab, mm. and another EPS twenty four thirty five Mercedes Benz Renault R three fifty turbo liner. So, there the Magnum would have been towering over every truck there apparently. Oh, it would have been. I they, they uh, seem to have got good things to say about it as well. Mm. It says, on a day you'd be completely used to it. It makes it easier on the M25. It saves all that going up and down the gearbox. It takes the thinking out of the gear chains, but it's important you have the last word. You must be able to say which gear you want. At the roundabout, I didn't have to take my hands off the wheel. I just dipped the clutch and the gear went in. I think semi-automatic is a great bonus. Uh, so it's like semi, semi-automatic, whereby you're not having to physically change your gear yourself, but you can... Um, you you have it's like the scan your opti cruise you've got to dip the pedal yep. um but you don't need to touch the gear stick unless well yeah. unless you want to yeah i think i drove one i drove an 05 one once and it had a, it was it, it kind of looked like a gear stick but it was not it didn't work like a gear stick you sort of had to i remember clicking side to side and forward something like that but not really sure if i was no, i don't think i was a big fan of it at the time no, they're weird for them. They would have been properly weird things. It, um, it's yeah. surprising that it's although it's a lot higher, you don't feel it. One of the guys says he's because um, I you would have been sitting so much higher than anything else in one of these. Right. What's the point of having the taco separate? Yeah, we thought the ninety fives were good, but this is something else. And talking about the cab and being roomy and able to stand up, but everybody's uh, got. Everybody's got some pretty good things to say about the um, about the semi-automatic gearbox. Anyway, one of the things actually I really really liked about the Magnum was the top bunk. If you can see how it's laid out there, um, just underneath the photograph of Jim Ashton, that it's uh, it kind of folds in half and it just pulls out. So it's actually very handy yeah. for storing stuff, and it also folds in out of your way as well. That's a traditional Renault thing. The Range T still does that, where you get the bunk where the front folds up, so you oh, can chuck more. You can chuck loads yeah. of stuff up there. You get you can fit so much stuff in there than you can back rear cupboards. Um, well, that that'd be an interesting one if you if you wanted to do a kind of a little question or a questionnaire, a straw poll. You know what what would you prefer, top bunk or cupboards? And mm-hmm. it would be a, definitely a point of contention for me. I'd, I'd prefer the top bunk because at least you can put your bag up there. It's up out of the way. And, you never see, you don't see any any clutter. Whereas those cupboards, you're pretty limited what you can put up there. They are, they're not That's that big. Opinion, anyway, mm, so yeah, but some guys would obviously uh, prefer cupboards. No, yeah. I, I, I would agree. I've got a suitcase um, which I take, and curiously enough, the suitcase would fit in the top locker of my Foden before I put the microwave on it, which is unusual. But it doesn't fit in any of the lockers on the Volvo 
for example so it's just got to sit in the bunk if it's got the back cupboards yeah. but if I had that folding bunk like on the reno then I can chuck the I can chuck it up there and it's nicely out of the way yeah and just move on from the from the reno just on the next ah, page then we yeah. have that yeah star charm mm. yeah Paul says driving a race car transporter is a dem demanding job so this is um uh, the PSR F3000 team was started by motor racing legend Jackie Stewart. His son Paul decided after finishing university to try racing. But Jackie was determined that his son should avoid the pitfalls. So this is basically Formula 3000 and it's a blue uh, Aveco Turbo Star uh, with a white stripe. Paul Stewart racing. It's 19048 and um, I just thought... Well, so it's the, about, it's the uh, big one, you know. They're not, even though it's not oh, carrying any one. weight... It's good. That was always kind of a tradition watching with race car transporters. Even though that you know they didn't have weight, they have to have um, the, the most prestigious prestigious truck you could have. I even remember uh, when Jordan Jordan Formula One team they had Scania one four four five thirties in yellow, and there were actually midlifts as well, which didn't make any sense because <laughs> you know four by two was out. But yeah, they were. Um, and then as well, there was the later on there was the Renault Magnum's William. There was a special edition Magnum with them. Um, was in kind of a kind of a purplish, bluey color, something like that. Nate. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of Magnums um, on the next page there. That's uh, right. Yeah. Car transporters. I. Um, and I remember being at the European Truck Race in the Nurburgring in 2018, and a lot of the car transporters were very smart. There were a lot of um, Iveco, yeah. Ivecos, and Mercedes, and they were all quite um, yeah. quite well specced up. Impressive. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what I saw lately for sale, there was X McLaren Volvo FH4s. That's right, aye. I'm not sure there was, yeah, there was one, at least one ended up in Ireland anyway, I see it. So they've got um, their silver with a kind of it's like a greyish side skirt, so they're 4 by 2s on, on full air. Pretty nice looking truck. So a mention, David Coulthard gets a mention here. 21 year old David Coulthard, son of Duncan of Hayton Coulthard, the Scottish Hollyers, then brackets, repeat after me, there's no money in Hollage. <laughs> whipped, <laughs> round, whipped round the circuit to qualify. You know, the follow the car's going all round. I, do, I, I, I have done a little bit of race car transporting when I had my gas Iveco. We went to Brands Hatch. Um, oh. And where else did we go to? We went to two places, Alfa Romeo's, and on both occasions the cars broke down. Which was a pain, <laughs> but I did get a go at it. It was a, it was um, quite, it was quite interesting. It's hard work being a truck driver on these because you're expected to go and break down the stands and build them up and get involved in loads of different parts of things. Yeah. You don't just go and like retire, oh, yeah. and, retire in the bunk and go and sit and do your own thing. I mean that's what I did, but that's you know normally you would. <laughs> that's what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, surprising that you, you said they broke down, even though they were Alfa Romeos. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> So moving on from the race car transport, we've got old T&D Hong Kong. These are Tiger war force. photos. Um, Jim mm -hmm. Wilkinson was on the first trip back to Hong Kong. It's a lot of war trucks from like the 1940s. Um, Thornycrofts and things. This is like literally, this is probably while the war was still going on. Or at mm -hmm. the very end of it, they've got some um, proper old pictures. Um, that's an, an AEC with no cab on it. Uh, brought back after yeah. bitter fighting in Burma, uh, and there's a boat that's been because uh, the guys that would have had these photographs probably won't be around anymore. We've got an advert probably join not. join the T an advert for join the T and G, the Transport Generals Workers Union. I which I don't think many drivers are involved with that unless they're part of a big company anyway. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, what else uh, we've got? Truck, truck racing. racing. Round, Round two, two Italy. the mm. summer European titles, and we've got an MAN and a bonneted something with Steve Parrish and his Merck behind there. I recognise him. There's a Foden racing at the Nordberg Ring. Oh, Sisu, that's, that's what they probably are a Sisu and like a Volvo, a bonneted thing. And here's a very interesting one a Kraz, and it's, the headline is Ukrainian Invader. Took the way at the back of the Nurburgring paddock was a surprise team of newcomers from the Ukraine. And when their amazing green Kraz took to the track, everyone sat up and listened. Featuring a massive two-stroke diesel, it sounded like a World War II bomber. 
The huge engine is apparently based on a 1940s Junkers design with two cranks <laughs> and ten pistons running in pairs with five cylinders, a layout reminiscent of a two-stroke Comer TS3. The cross mechanics said the huge engine and its transmission had been lifted from a Soviet tank. It was certainly heavy and about 14 seconds off the pace of class leader Parrish. The Kras had trouble yes. getting started in the mornings, but the, Ukra- but, the, but the Ukrainians plan to be back as soon as they can. That's an interesting one, well, I thought. Well, this was only just as the, this is only just as, as the Iron Curtain had come down. So you know, Ukraine was ve- up until very recently part of communist Russia, so they wouldn't have been able to get out and okay. do any of this sort of stuff. So they would it would have been completely unknown these guys turning up with this truck, based an engine, uh, a massive two-stroke engine, uh, from a nineteen forties tank or something like that. Mm. <laughs> Brilliant. And also, the, we've got a couple of other makes there. We've got a Volvo White, and then there's two Sisus as well. So the Sisus are a Swedish truck. Got a variety. Uh, Sorry, finish, 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 finish. I should say. Sorry, I was finish, yeah. correct myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, nice to see a bit of variety. After that, we've a got a variety. Uh, the truck uh, racing's really high end now. Like the top European truck racing things. The okay. trucks are so so complicated like the engineering that goes into them they cost hundreds of thousands of pounds and things you would never see some bunch of lunatics from eastern europe turn up with a tank engine no, thing just no. to come out and have a, come <laughs> out and have a go and have you noticed the amount of, uh, amount of smoke she's putting out there as well ah uh, you're not allowed that um, you're not allowed that no. anymore i mean that is actually no, a thing now no. with truck racing as well but they don't really want oh, you God. you can't run an old 14 litre cummins with the pump turned up anymore because of the smoke because of like you know how it would be viewed by um, you know Greta Thunberg types and things. You can't be you can't be seen to be doing that anymore. But, it's not politically well, correct to be smoking. In, uh, in complete contrast, like do, you remember, do you remember the article I did about the um, the guy near me who's got that Greek turbo? Yes, Scania five sixty, and there's a an agent in Ireland now for um, for a guy who's sack is the Greek tuning specialists, and uh, mm-hmm. they have increased. They have a little thing you can buy called a smoke box. So it probably does what it says in the tin, and it's uh, definitely not for the Greta Thunberg types anyway. So this basically will, as well as you're obviously probably making a fair bit of noise already with your side pipe, and if you want to put out some black smoke, you can buy a little box <laughs> that'll give you a smoke to the clouds. So, oh, very politically incorrect. Not very PC. <laughs> no. So we've got, next was uh, you do wonder about old mm. truck tyres as well because it says there as little as six years ago there were no tyres available that gave seven and a half tonnes front axle capacity and were also safe at 60 miles yeah. an hour because a lot of trucks would have been tanking it along at speeds way above that but of course old yeah. style tyre technology although you don't see it tyres have, ad- have, ad- have advanced as much as trucks have like going from like Euro 2 to Euro 6 like the technology for a truck to get that extra fuel economy and still have that grip and all the specialised compounds yeah. in them like if you were to go and put an old style set of truck tyres even if they were new on one of today's modern yeah. trucks you would notice a difference with grip and the wet and dry and everything so just telling it it's got yeah. an article just explaining how how tyres work and how you should keep an eye on your pressures and, and things like that mm. And um, we get picture and post, and it's got some. We've got an A Shock Leyland, um, which looks like it's got a cab extension on it that looks like it's made out of wooden planks. Like it must be like That's extra, right, yeah. some extra capacity for the roof. Um, mm. Tower Road, a local built cab, possibly a sleeper. It's got no door on the side of it. It's got like. It's a, the, it's a sliding the cab door. Looks, the cab looks awfully like. It's got a wooden sleeper extension on it. <laughs> That's right. So they'll just buy it basically as a as a chassis cab and maybe I don't know a front grille or something. They just build around it, which is still it's still the case today down there mm-hmm. with a lot of trucks. Uh, we've got a stunning concept Scania One Four Three Blondie at Truck Fest. Hey, that is so nice. Swedish, yeah, Swedish guy doors with uh, gullwing doors. Blondie, yeah. And then we've got a Davies Turner, Terry Smith's aging but very smart. 6x4, Scania 141 at Dover. I would reckon that's a tag axle. Uh, that's been converted to get it up to 32 tonnes. Uh, that's the mm. axle grafted onto the back of it, which was a 
Um, you can see it's got no mud guard at the top of it at the time either. It was a common thing that some of the tag axle constructions right. yeah. were really ugly because it would have like the narrow single wheels on it as well, so they would sit in board from the drive axle. Yeah. Um, but a lot of drivers didn't Chris like that because they were so ugly. So ugly, yeah. Pretty long chassis. Chris Miller's a Scammell pioneer hauling a tank engine in the days when transporters in black and white. Actually, I remember Chris Miller. So he's from Preston. He he was green and yellow. He had a really nice green and yellow flat top. Well, see, that, well, that's a, a picture of it in them. Yeah. He's got Scammell a tank pioneer. a tank engine like as in like Thomas the mm. tank engine. It's mm. got like a train on the back of the low loader. The registration on Probably, that Scammell yeah. is an old F reg, which would date it as nineteen sixty seven sixty eight. However, the truck, mm -hmm. look, the cab on the truck looks like it's from the 1940s, so I don't know, I don't know what that is, if it's yeah. like a complete um, old. sort of bits of set up as to what's, because um, Scammell were the, the number one name in heavy mm -hmm. haulage for a long, long time, but That's that right. cab, that cab and that steering, you can see the big four spoke steering wheel, that looks like it's mm -hmm. much older than an F Reg, so I wonder if it's, Got some sort of military heritage under at the background to that is going to jot that down as well and remember because I need to do my three posts for this on the podcast which I will do now I mean it'd be fair to me poor me I've had deadline and then I was out driving that Volvo for a week so I'm a bit behind with stuff oh, yeah. I just never so, but with the Volvo I did I burned my three nine hour rests and my two tens and did forty four hours driving between Thursday night no sorry Sunday night and Thursday. Thursday evening, so I just never stopped. At the end of the day, I was not getting the laptop out to go and mess about and no, well, scan things. <laughs> you've, you've spent enough time uh, in lockdown, which are in front of your laptop, uh, so you definitely very, make, make the most of, yeah, of the driving when you get it. Yeah. It was incredibly liberating, and I'm back out again in a month's time as well. I'm pleased to say I'm back out on the road for another week in March, and I'll see if I can oh, manage right. to do it in April as well. And probably well, nice. slightly off topic. I've possibly got the opportunity to go and drive in Ireland in the summer. Oh, in a, oh, in a, domestically. In Ireland. Hey, I'll, I'll have an Irish passport by then, so I might be able to oh, come and man. drive. I might be able to come and drive in Ireland. So um, that will be oh, something. Yeah. That'll be something Why different. Not? That'll be something different, is right? Yeah, come over and see how it's done over here. along we've got um, model motor yeah we've got uh, driver Ian Armstrong he's built a very nice Scania 143 470 top line uh, with a nice that's fantastic look at the detail what the detail on that mm. Mm. that's right yeah so he's he's taken a fair few bits from the uh, accessories box as well Italeri did a little accessories box that's where the wheel trims came from and the air horns and all those so yeah, that's Pretty impressive, and he's got an ERF painted this white, but that's a white metal ERF E series in the colours of a former employer. And he's got a DAF 3300 space cap, the duck in Laverstock, wherever that is. The duck in of Laverstock, wonder uh, if that's someone will know where Laverstock is. Laverstock yeah. sounds like something with stock um, on the end of it, sounds like Devon or Cornwall. We'll have a guess, let's Google it. Yeah, it's a model, I like the model because it's got the two breaks. crew members beside it as well. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Racing team. And just on the next page, and we've got weird wagons. Nick Baldwin searched the archives for trucking oddities of the past. Be glad oh. you're not driving them. You want some good news? Yeah. The Duck Inn of Laverstock, Salisbury, is still open to this day. It's on Facebook Lovely. and has 1,457 likes. Well, hey, I wasn't that far off. Salisbury, Salisbury in Wiltshire or Hampshire? <laughs> I said, Wiltshire, I wasn't that far off. Weird wagons, yes. Nick yeah, Baldwin looks at some weird, weird stuff. That is some weird stuff. We've got a truck which apparently appears to be made completely of planks of wood. The Brett Adelaide. And then we've got a really old Peerless, which has put too much on the back of. And you can see the chain drive on it, on the wheels. And it's tipped the front up in the air, so the, the front axles are right up in the air because they've put too much wood in the back of it. Needs a counterweight at the front. Oh, here we go. Here's an advert. The lazy man's way to a million. This is one of these weird adverts that you used to get. Seven months ago, I sent you a cheque for 19.95. In just three weeks, your sister made me six and a half grand. 
minted. Right, well we'll wrap this up. Yeah, I think that's about it really. We've just got a few um, yep, we've got, at the end. We've got, we've got the trouble well, we covered. We've got the adverts for the tapes and CDs, which we had before. And then we've got um, the trucking. They're talking about the French Don't blockading forget. the place. And that's that polishes off the end of it. Because at the end of it, the last page in the magazine, trucking driver goes monthly. So from now on, we can just pick out some magazines at random. If anybody's got any requests for an issue you'd like us to do, let us know and we will sort it, provided we've both got a copy of it. So, Paul, not, I shall... Not a problem. I'll let you get on your way, and I shall catch up with you again soon. Yeah, thanks very much, Dougie. We'll do another one again pretty soon. Cool. Thanks. Right, catch you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.